All right. Hey, everybody. Alex Shaw with the uh, Risk Matters podcast. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be sitting down in the new construction basement of Rick McCoy's house. He's the owner of MMA Institute. Um, Rick, thanks for taking a little time this, uh, this afternoon. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about this, this new build that got started and the contract signed right before uh, the lumber prices went through the roof. Oh, yeah, I got real lucky on that one. Um, this was actually uh, supposed to be for me and my grandmother. My grandmother mm. passed away last year, so mm. we started this. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, started this. If you look right behind me, there's actually a place, but that wasn't going to be an elevator. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so a lot of it was built in separate floors so she could still have her privacy and all that type of stuff. So it started out there. Obviously, we, we the contract was signed before she passed, so kept on going. So And, uh, yeah, now we, it's where we have a Sky Pirate Ranch. Yeah, and you're, you're, you're doing your punch-out list, so you're yeah, close we're, to the we're end right. here. I'll, 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 i got a moving truck tomorrow. <laughs> so, so. Well, um, you know, I, I'm 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 appreciative that you're willing to sit down. I reached out because you're you're one of the first guys I heard about in the MMA, or for those folks who aren't aren't that tuned into it, the mixed martial arts community. Some folks will correlate that with cage fighting, even though plenty of those fights and competitions happen in a ring, depending on the level. But um, you're one of the guys when I first started training back in I think it was 2006. Um, there were pictures of you on the wall at the gym I trained at. You were one of the early pioneers in Virginia. So tell me a bit about where you came from, how you got into it, and okay. and we'll build from there. So I started martial arts at a super early age. Traditional. I started judo, uh, like like third grade. Oh and wow! It, yeah, it was one of those things that actually <laughs> Who I got wanted you to into that. <laughs> It was, uh, I grew up out in uh, Salt Lake, Utah, and they had a lot of, like, programs, like youth programs. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. And in the first class, I was really upset because there's no punching and kicking. <laughs> I, my mother paid, I think it was like 35 bucks for the year. And she's like, <laughs> oh, I paid $35. Yeah, it's total <laughs> that's <still>. a steal. <laughs> she's Holy like, cow. I paid $35, you're going to go. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I begrudgingly went, got fairly good. And uh, then doing that for a few years, and then I got into wrestling. Mm. And lo and behold, judo worked really well, blending it with wrestling. So mm. I kept up with judo, and then I wrestled. What, what, brought, uh, what brought judo to Utah? Say, say that again? What, what brought judo to, uh, to, to Utah? I mean, how did that... Oh, judo's worldwide. Everywhere, judo, yeah, huh? judo's, yeah, judo's a pretty old martial arts. Um, yeah. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So when did you, you, you wrestled? Did you wrestle, uh, you know, just through high school? Just or? through high school, yeah. Yep. yeah I, I was kind of a, I can swear on this, right? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, yeah. I, was, I was a screw-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a screw-up. So, yeah I, could, I, yeah, I was a pretty good wrestler. Yeah. But, yeah, I because I was a screw-up, I did a lot more, like, freestyle and Greco club mm. wrestling. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so was that through? Uh, that was through a gym, just a gym you found out there. Or? Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. It was a uh, um, Sundance Wrestling Club. But still a big club out there. Interesting. Yeah, like competitive nationwide. Yeah. So how did you find yourself? What was the next kind of evolution? Uh, you know? The next evolution was my my early twenties, and then I just uh, yeah screwed off some more. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is like the this is like the uh, much of this kind of the the quintessential fighter story. Um, yeah. if you will. You know, I think what's interesting is that that's a that's 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 unique in its own right, but there's so many different ways that paths that people take into the the world of fighting. You know, it's not just your barroom brawlers. Oh, I no, mean when no. we talked on the phone, we were kind of laughing about 
old styles of training and um you know and, and my comment was you know back back when it started seemingly to me it's it was just guys who like to fight and you said well you know it was that and, and my comment was now you see a lot more athletes and and you said yeah you know back then it was guys who like to fight but it was also martial artists martial artists and competitors you yeah know? like you always had the wrestlers were always there and they're competitors i mean to be honest, so going back to the original, how I got into it, I watched one of the early VHS tapes of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and literally, it was an aha moment of, oh, my wrestling's a martial art. Like, I've wrestled huh. for almost 10 years, and at this point, some of the, like, Dan Severn and... Mark Schultz and those guys. Yeah, they, they, hadn't, they hadn't even started doing that. Oh, that's, yet. they were a little yeah. later, yeah. <laughs> After that, like, yeah, I'm old, old, older school than those guys. <laughs> those guys. But, um... Nobody really thought about wrestling as a martial art. Exactly. Even to this it, day, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think because of mixed martial arts, the popularity of the UFC, I think people do now. Mm-hmm. And it's still the sport is the sport. And a lot, a lot, there's a lot of crossover athletes now, a lot. Yeah. And it's the money, you... you you mentioned like there's a lot more athletes now. It's because athletes go where the money is. If they're going to stay an athlete, yeah. Well, you have to. You can't. Yeah. You can't just be an athlete and not get paid and and eat. So you well, know. You're, that makes you even a bit more, relatively speaking, a purist. Because back when you started, I mean, when was your first competition or fight? It was it '96? I think I started in '95. Yeah. Hmm. So and there yeah. wasn't a lot of money in it. There was no money. <laughs> I mean, God, I, yeah, I. I'm trying to think. I, I, yeah, there wasn't a lot of like. I remember my first big payday, and I fought a guy. He, he actually he went on the UFC named Rich Clemente, and I got paid. That's right, five hundred dollars. Uh, Louisiana guy, right? Yeah, and I yeah. got paid five hundred dollars, and I thought I'd hit the hit the lottery. He was a really talented guy. Yeah, really yeah, talented yeah. jujitsu guy. Um, his stand up was. Uh, let's see, Rich Clemente. I'm trying to. I'm, I just confused him with Tim Crador. Crater. Crater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crater was a jujitsu guy. Okay. Um, Rich Clemente was a talented striker. Yeah, he yeah. was he was he was a well-rounded just bro, you know, he was tough. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that fight was in 1996. What No, that fight that fight 99, I think. Oh god, I don't know. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, cuz that was yeah, late. That, that would have been on. rough if no, that was I'm your saying, first fight. No, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. I was talking about the payday. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the first, <laughs> first uh, payday. Yeah, that was a big payday for me. Mm. Which was $500. But back then um, there, I had friends that were UFC fighters making a thousand and a thousand in the UFC. Like it's the sports come a long way. Yeah, yeah. That, you didn't do it for the money. No, what, or you so couldn't. What, what? 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 What did you do it for? I mean, at those I, times, uh, I just fell in love with it. It was it was a passion, and nobody knew what I was doing. Yeah. And if they did know what I was doing, they thought I was crazy. Yeah, uh, like mostly it was. Oh, you're doing that WWE stuff, or they had the one name they'd seen it. Oh, it's Hoist Gracie stuff. Yeah, like that was it. That's nobody knew. It was essentially ten years of me doing this before the first Ultimate Fighter uh, TV series, which was 2005, before the mainstream people even knew what it was. And how was? It's so funny how when I when I was training in Fairmount. When you step into that, you think about fighting from this perspective of, man, that is crazy. And, and this is the more I talk to people, what, regardless of like the activities they do, if, it's a, if, it's, if you want to call it quasi-extreme, folks go, that's crazy. But it's remarkable to me how quickly it was normalized and how quickly I found myself in the back room with guys who were about to walk out to fight. And it just felt, I mean, you feel the nerves and the it's, adrenaline, it's, but it was It's, it's an extreme sport in that... Like, it's, like, you, there's so much that can happen, right? Like, mm. uh, it, statistically, 
it's the um, how would you how would you put this the like the the underdogs win more betting wise in MMA than any other sport like really? hardcore like really? you, like if you there's an underdog in boxing sometimes they win you're it, right about I buy that completely oh yeah I buy that completely there's there's far more variability in who wins oh way more these fights I mean yeah I think so I think back of Czech Congo and and Roy Nelson mm-hmm. big country Nelson anybody yeah. who take a minute and if you're <laughs> listening Google Czech Congo and then Google Roy Nelson and you just tell me who you think would win and and I'll tell you it's not the guy you think would win and yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you just stated there's so yeah. many different yeah. outcomes yeah that, I mean you zig when you should have zagged you yeah. know and that yeah that's that, but I mean, on the original thing like I believe it's ego hmm. because it's not that dangerous hmm. like so many people have that's crazy. I mean, go, go ride a bull. Go go do BMX. Go do skateboarding. Yeah. Like it's I, you're way more likely to get hurt. Hmm. Uh, with fighting, the only thing that freaks people out they're superficial cuts. Hmm. You're way more likely to see blood, but not real. Like you're gonna get stitches. Yeah. Like I'd rather get stitches all day long than to tear and break tear joints and break bones. No and doubt. all those no like doubt. X Games, skiing, <laughs> snowboarding, any of those things. You're so. On that, when people have this built-up thing, I don't know if it's human nature, but they build this big thing up about losing a fight, hmm. like o- it, over anything, like yeah. like maybe in their head it's like survival, it's like survival, like if in olden times if you lost a fight you were dead. I don't know if we have that something built up in our brains, but if I, I tell people all the time, I mean you can think it's crazy, and I'm not saying it's not. I mean it's it's a hard contact sport. You can definitely get hurt. In. Yeah. But well, I think it's ultimately who do we compare ourselves against the most? It's not, you know, the dog down the street or, you know, this kind of ambiguous or arbitrary object. We compare ourselves, whether it's right or wrong, uh, we probably do it too much to other people. And so that competition, when you strip all of the games and everything aside, it's purely, hey, I'm going to take my skills <laughs> And I'm going to see if I can implement my game plan against you in a way that's maximizing my physical and cognitive it's, abilities. It's dominance. Right. It's dominance. It's dominance. And it's a- dominance. And like I said, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, psychologically, people build up a fight mm. way more than the actual reality of the repercussions of said fight, especially in a controlled environment with a ref, you know, and all, yeah. all the things that go along with a controlled environment well that's so one of the things boss i heard boss rootin say who's a long time you know yeah. mma you know he was he was on the the edge you know a, a pioneer if you yeah, will he, the did sport. The, he was king of pancreas yep and then came over did a couple of fights in the ufc he actually beat uh kevin randleman when he, i think it was might have been his first fight in the ufc when randleman was such a beast that's and, right he was yeah. terrifying and randleman yeah. being i think he was a he was a he was an ncaa wrestler from ohio state maybe? I, I believe so yeah um, Ma- amazing athlete and amazing wrestler amazing fighter yeah, yeah he was incredible and one of the things boss rootin said that i that caught my attention he said this years ago was when he's got fighters about to go out, he preps them by saying, hey, I want you to strip away the crowd. I want you to pretend like you're going into a room alone with this guy, and nobody is going to know who won or lost. Mm. And, and so for me, I think a big part of the fear, like you think about public speaking people are terrified about, and then head-on competition with someone else, a fight to your point, mm. is, is those are two of the most terrifying things. And then you blend those two with, hey, you're going to do something terrifying, 
and expose yourself. And then you're also going to do it in front of all yeah, these you, people. You, you, you strip yourself in a lot of ways when yeah. you go to a fight because it's, it's very it's very numeric. It's zero one. You're losing or you're winning. You know, it's <laughs> right. and it is in a lot of ways the ultimate competition. I'm not taking like you know I'm a fan. I mean that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm, I just I I try to tell people. It's, it's one of the things I like to tell people is that, look, it's not what you think it is. It's, it's all in your head. Like I said, it's, could you get hurt? Could, I mean, mm -hmm. could you die potentially? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I, I guarantee the, uh, a statistic like uh, um, cheerleading. Like there's multiple deaths every year from cheerleading. Mm. There are not multiple deaths in MMA. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, at least not at the elite level. That's, yeah. that's yeah. an interesting data point. So. Well, how did, um, you know, speaking of kind of all of the, the uh, I've heard often, you know, and, and I think it's right that, that fear is a, is, a, is a powerful motivator, but it's a poor counselor. Yeah. And right. so. 2020, what, 2021. Yeah. Welcome. So, yeah so, <laughs> so you think about all of these potential outcomes that loom in your mind. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're a fighter going into the arena, I mean, you have to think about that to a degree. Oh. How is, how is your preparation, I mean, evolved since 1996 to, you know, 25 years later, basically? Well, like, I, I understand the mental aspect of it more, or the importance of the mental aspect of it more now than I ever did. Obviously, I'm not fighting anymore, but it's the... There's certain things that you have to do to prepare, right? And every uh, that's this is where everybody's different. Like, mm. uh, an arm bar is an arm bar, a cross is a cross, but, you know, I can train every fighter. I mean, everybody has their attributes physically, but every fighter is, like, I, I have to become a different counselor, a different type of psychiatrist for, for, every, for every fighter because every fighter is different mentally. How, what, and there's some fighters that just don't need it. They just perform. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the mental part is it translates to, to performance. Like, it's not... Like, I've had guys that literally fight better than they are, and I've had guys that don't even fight at 50% of their potential. Mm. And as long as I've been doing this, it's, I can't tell until they fight. Yeah. Like, I can't really predict that. There's, there's guys like, oh, I can't wait to get this killer in the cage. And he, yeah, doesn't do he's so well. Bonks. Yeah, yeah, and there's guys I've literally, like, man, he's been training a long time. He's really not that good, but he's put the time in. I know he's tough, and then he's, they're straight killers. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, you hear about that all the time, guys who are just world beaters in the gym. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to the fight night, they, com they can't turn it on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it seems to me there's a parallel there with, like, they've done a tremendous amount of research for who makes it through BUDS, you know, for mm -hmm. Navy SEALs. Um, who's able to progress through that pipeline and be successful. And they've invested a ton of money in trying to profile, and they've, been, they've failed colossally at that identifying. Crazy? And, and yeah. that is, you know, you see guys go in there with NCAA Division I wrestlers, you know, polo, for, you know, for NCAA polo athletes, and water polo, that yeah. is, uh, athletes across the board, just elite athletes, physical specimens. And then some guy you would never imagine just makes it through and – some of those guys yeah. fail colossally. Is yeah. no well, so the, so the government <laughs> spent a lot of money to try to figure out. Yeah. I mean, from your coaching perspective, is there anything that you've picked out that where you can kind of get a, a window into that? Somebody who's faced <laughs> obstacles in their life, or, you know? um, I think living hard hmm. does make hard people. Yeah, 
Um, I went over to Russia for a month to train and, and coach over there, and and I went to some fights over there. And it's true what they say about Russians: you got to kill them. Yeah, like <laughs> they're just, they're just they don't. Tough. It's not in their. It's not in their. In their any purview that they're going to quit, mm. right? Like, that's not never an option. It's, it's just how they train, how they live. They, you know, I, I loved Russia, so I'm not. I mean, literally, I love Russia. I go back anytime, but. It, they were just different. The great people, nice people, but when they train, it was just a different thing. They, I think countries like America, we have it really good here. We're used to soft living, not being uncomfortable. Mm. And some people can't turn that off, yeah. even, even in competition. I mean, there's a lot of people that will push through because they, you know, they have it in them hate to lose. But there's, there's a limit to some people. And they get, like, say, amazing wrestler. And all of a sudden, you're like, this dude, doesn't like getting punched in the face. Right, right. And all of a sudden, his wrestling kind of sucks when you punch him in the face. Yeah. And who would have thought? Because that guy grinded to get to that level, for sure. And he, he was uncomfortable, you know? So, yeah, to, to I mean, there, I think there is something to a mentality of how you grew up. But you still have to get punched in the face. And that, the, the end of, the, that, that type of uncomfortableness, not, it's beyond just sweating or... You know, but I'll tell you this, I know right away if, like, let's say I give a guy into practice, I like to do this randomly so they don't know, all right, last round, 25 burpees. Mm -hmm. And I'll pick one guy, and I'll watch them see if they cheat. Hmm. If they cut corners there, they're going to quit. That's so fascinating. See, that's, there's little indicators, I feel like, exactly like that that you'd pick out mm -hmm. to identify who the folks who are going to be able to, you know, follow the game plan to the T – are really going to be and they, I, I heard this a while ago that your character you'll you'll find people's character revealed when life is going incredibly well for them and when they've got everything they want and you'll also find it when they're in the depths of of the, the deepest trenches of their worst moment yep. essentially yeah yeah and and i put I, I you know i do it on purpose i put them uncomfortable and you know i, I tell my guys it's not it doesn't matter how hard you start it's how hard you finish so i'm always at the end yeah, because everybody, everybody's a world beater in the first minute. <laughs> yeah. Right before it hits. Yeah. How, how do you bring folks back so that the, there's this saying in fighting where, and, and I guess it's in sports across the board, where um, you either win or you learn? Um, I believe that, and I don't believe that. I mean, Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, in my sport in particular, and I think any sport, if you're at a, any type of level, you can never be okay with losing. Hmm. And it's not a sportsman type thing. This is a mentality thing, right? It's like you're gonna lose. Like, it could be, but like I think the only one I can think of that upper echelon line that ha hasn't lost, and, he, yeah. and he's retired. And uh, I, I don't know if you what's um, God, um, what's the Brazilian? This he was talking. Anyway, he just recently kind of went off on Khabib because Khabib was hitting him for keeping in the sport. And he's like, yeah, Khabib Nurmagomedov being the 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 only guy that I can think of and and maybe ever in MMA at a, at a high level who went undefeated and retired at the top. You know, he, he just pulled the magic, you know, trick. You know, well, exactly. So I just remember his name, Jose Aldo. He was giving right. Jose Aldo a hard time for still being a sport. And Jose just like, look, dude, losing is part of it, and you quit mm. so you wouldn't lose. I mean, he kind of bashed him. It was like you were, at the, you were at your peak. You stayed in it like most people. People take losses. That's, so that's, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. For folks listening, this is something that's incredibly unique 
to mixed martial arts that is antithetical to how boxing has been developed for the entirety of its history. So in boxing, you kind of you, you kind of fed fighters mm. who you thought had potential the easier fights, and you gradually build them. There's a real science and art to that. I mean, there's there's some validity to getting people to gain confidence through wins, and you slowly kind of introduce more difficult and difficult opponents. So it's not like they're just running over everybody. But in mixed, so you end up with the guys who, if they're any good, you know, they're they're undefeated. And then in boxing, historically, you get one loss, and people will immediately go, "He, it's over, he's yeah. done." And what I think is so unique, and that happened, I think, by accident in mixed martial arts, is that it's so much more reflective of just life, of work, of mm. everything you interface with in your life. It's if you see a high-level fighter. 99.9%, unless their name is Khabib Nurmagomedov, they've experienced multiple defeats. Most of the really good fighters I really enjoy have four, five, six, seven defeats in a 20 to 40 year career, you know, fight career. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, Khabib is, uh, is an outlier like that, like super outlier. Like, if, if you had 30 fights and you were 24 and six, that's amazing if you're fighting like mm, legit yep, competition. Yep. Like, in boxing, you'd be a bum. Yeah. Which, to your point earlier, it what it, it ties into is there are so many more ways to win and, conversely, to lose in mixed martial yeah. arts. You can lose from submission on the ground, TKO, KO, you, on the feet. You, you know, got to worry about takedowns at any time, and while you're worrying about somebody dropping a level, they come over top with overhand. Right. There's elbows, there's knees. Yeah, there's, there's like I said, you literally you move the wrong way, even if by accident. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Well, that is, so, I mean, it's one of the things that attracted me the most to the sport is there's a brutal honesty to the sport. Chael Sonnen is kind of a, a polarizing figure, but I'll never forget he was coaching this guy, Uriah Hall, um, on the Ultimate Fighter series years ago. And Uriah Hall is this physical specimen, you know, on paper should be a complete world beater. But he, he struggled mentally and emotionally a bit in some of his fights, so he fell short. And and Chael, in preparation for a fight, said, hey, listen, everybody says quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Let me tell you what. Quitting is the most readily available option there is. <laughs> and the question is, when you hit that fork in the road, when the quit sign is blinking at you and it looks really attractive, are you going to hang that right towards that sign or are you going to take the hard road and go left? And I just it was like one of those moments I'll never forget because like my it. whole life, it, you know, Everybody, that no matter life. what sport, you hear, uh, you know, quitting isn't an option. It's not an option. And I felt, I, I feel like I've told people this, I'm the biggest quitter who doesn't quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, in my head, I think about it all the time. Everybody does. You know, whether it's running or whatever. And to hear that honesty, that it, is it's honest. just reminiscent of the sport itself. Yeah, where I, I remember early on, you know, I, I've been around a lot of high-level guys, and uh, uh, just talking to him, like you always talk about, because one topic of interest is mine is mental preparation. Mm. And anybody, I mean, somebody, I've, um, um, Randy Couture. Right. Yeah. Great wrestler. Yeah. I've like, he will tell you, if I, you asked him, I asked him right now, every fight he was scared shitless. Yeah. Like every fight, <laughs> every fight. Yeah. And that's natural. What separates is how you take that energy and mm. and compete with it. That's that's it. No, nothing more. I mean, if somebody tells you they're not scared before they step in a cage, 
they're either lying or they're psychopath. Like, there's like, <laughs> right, like they don't right. have any emotion. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you should be scared. I mean, it's, you should have nerve, and that's okay. It's, there's, we've, for whatever reason, somehow demonized having feelings or something yeah. or made it that a bad thing or having fear. Like, rational fear is actually a good thing. Yeah. And it's very rational to have fear when somebody, you're stepping in a cage with a trained athlete that wants to hurt you. That's, right. You should have fear. That's a currency of the game. That, yeah, you that, should have fear. It makes you stupid. If literally, if you are, don't have some fear, you can have self-belief, know you're going to win. There's a lot of psychological stuff that goes in there. Like I said, if you you know, you know, can't, on the flip side, they can't go, oh, God, this guy's going to beat me. Then right. He's, he's going to beat you. Mm. Or, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen yeah, there. Giving, giving that voice too much occupancy in your head. It's funny. It's this, it's this dichotomy where you have to recognize the potential for your defeat. I remember Uriah Faber, who's a great fighter, saying, you know, i got to step out of the game because I started stepping in the cage and I had zero fear. And he goes, that's when I started getting beat. Hmm. It was a problem because in training, hmm. I, wasn't, I didn't have the extra juice to go because I wasn't okay. Floyd Mayweather's up at 3 a.m. running. It's not because he's just having a happy-go-lucky run. It's because he's fueled by the thought hmm. of defeat. But on the other hand, if exactly like you said, if you give that thought the potential potential for your defeat too much real estate in your mind, you defeat yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, energy is a real thing, you know, and and you can direct your own energy, and that that that's yeah. You, I mean, there's I don't know if if you say you can, you can. If you said you can't, you can't. It's, yeah, that's one of my favorite sayings. Is there were two two men. One said it could be done, and one said it couldn't, and it, they were both right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, and it's 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 really that simple as far as mental stuff, like self belief. But in life as well, you have real self belief and work ethic, and go, and then there's delusion. Right, <laughs> and, and the two are close cousins, and they're really close. They're kissing cousins. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're really close because yeah. I, you know, I, I have to talk to some of my guys. I'm like, God, if I could put your belief in this guy, yeah, I mean, but I put his skills into you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a. I mean, I think of clients we've got, and and so many times we're having conversations about doing hard things, about affecting cultural change, mm-hmm. about the heartburn that comes from doing that. And and so many quit before we even leave the room. Mm. You know, they'll they'll say, and that just we can't do that for any number of reasons. And here's the other thing that my response is often, man, most excuses are, are valid. I mean, s- most excuses have an element of validity to them. Mm. But if the goal is worthy enough, it, then it's it's worth the squeeze. You yeah. know, the juice is worth the squeeze, and that means extra energy and effort and a reshaping and thinking of. Yeah how we're going to pursue this. One thing you mentioned a minute ago was the fear. And so what popped into my mind is what is the, you know, we're we're big on the mantra, embrace risk, reward performance. Mm. What is the reward? I mean, when you're embracing that risk of stepping into a cage, what is that moment after you achieve a victory, whether it's you or one of your students? And how does that make it worth it to take all those risks? It's it's, it's the work put in, right? Mm. You know, because you Especially at a certain level, you just you've dedicated, like it, it's a big deal. I mean, it's it's you know people can say, oh, you know, who cares what people say? You know, it's, right, right. you know, like you said, oh, he took one loss, he's done, right? Um, you you don't. Some people worry about that, and I'm I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I mean, especially if you're at a higher level and your popularity also dictates your paycheck. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. there's there's definitely some validity there, but true fighters. 
like, there's there's a burning desire inside. Like going back to me, like there was no there was no money. Definitely no. We didn't have social media back then. There was no not even Facebook fame. Like there was no anything. It was just true people that really fell in love with the sport. Hmm. And I think I told you on the phone, the only thing that really separates me from most of the world out there, or at least at that time, was I was dumb enough to stick with it. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people, I mean, I, I'm a pioneer, but most of the pioneers that started with me peeled off three, four, like before mm. the 2000s started, you right. know? There's a lot of good guys that like, nobody will ever know about. Like, just... Well, why do you, But, I mean, why did you... Why did you stick with that? I have none. I guess something's wrong with me. I don't know. I, 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 what I, was the feeling you got after? I mean, you, so what I, what I like is I keep, I keep coming back to, like, the feeling after a victory or after a fight, but you keep going back to, no, it's the training. It's the work put in. Yeah, it really, it. it really. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the payday for sure. But if you don't embrace the suck, if you don't embrace the daily grind, you'll never get there anyway. Hmm. And so many people focus on the fight, and they they won't become successful because they're not they're that isn't going to be worth the squeeze of the daily grind. Mm-hmm. Like the daily grind is where everything happens. Like, and that's what separated me early on too. I became one of the best guys in Virginia early on because I was the first guy. Like, I dedicated myself to this. I I had a small business at the time. I was like, hey, you guys take care of that. I started coming, (laughs) driving to Richmond twice a day. I started doing two a days before that was even even thought of a thing. Right. You know? And then the reward there was, like, guys that were close to me when I first started, I was just beating the crap out of everybody. Yeah. So you get momentum from that. Yeah, I got super momentum. I got lots of feedback. Like, all of a sudden, I was the dude. Yeah. In in this tiny little pond that nobody knew about, but I loved it, you know? And that fed me. I started traveling. I, you know, I, I just, yeah, I fell in love with it. And it was, I saw that every hour, every minute I put into training, I was seeing the rewards. Hmm. You got to be a bit of a dreamer. Yeah. You know, a yeah. Little bit. yeah. I, I never thought this sport would, I, I never thought I'd own a gym because hmm. I have small, I mean, I've owned small businesses outside the gym. And I remember, People at, wow, man, you're this, why don't you have your, I was like, no way. I'm not going to, one, and it kind of did this happen, I was like, I'm not going to turn something I love into a business, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't uh, love it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. a little truth to that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? There's a lot more pain. It's nice just to sh- uh, show up at a gym, work out, and walk out the door and not worry about anything. Not worry about membership. Not worry about, yeah, yeah. yeah, just all worry about all the small business stuff. And, uh, yeah, I... <sighs> I, it's very personal, and I, I was, everybody has their own path, but I do not believe anybody, I mean, there's some super freak athletes that just learn it quick, and they get instant feedback anyway, right? Like, oh, they're, oh my God, you're so good, and they're, oh, they're getting that feedback. They probably had their, that type of feedback their whole life. Yep. But this sport, especially jiu-jitsu, there's, there's plenty of just, you know, everyday Joe soccer mom people that just come in, and they stick with, they fall in love, and they get good. Yeah, well, maybe that's something that I've kind of, at watching people perform at a high level from a distance and coming keeping eyes on them it seems to me that and just anecdotally knowing folks i grew up with it seems like those folks who get the immediate feedback of success from their athleticism are often the ones who struggle on the mental fortitude side because the feedback was so rapid so complete mm-hmm. so fulfilling and it came easily 
the the scary part is when you get somebody like that who also has the blend of incredible mental fortitude or a work ethic or work ethic. I, yeah, my biggest my biggest uh, uh, loss of talent has been amazing, and a lot of them are wrestlers. So I'm always surprised this because they've. And some of them went through a you know NCAA program. They're just burnt. Right. Yeah. You know, toasted like, after oh, wrestling yeah, yeah. since they were but, six years old. Their their work ethic is lacking. Mm. And I've I, I've I would say I've I, I've had some of the most talented athletes. I know in Virginia, like yeah. athletes. And I'm like, oh my god, this guy like 100 percent would have gone to the UFC. Like mm. no doubt. And. They would show up once, twice a week, and they still were good. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's, and they would fight, and they'd, do, they'd win some, lose some, and they, yeah, they were better than the average for sure. But I'm like, oh, my God, if you'd have worked like Bob over here that isn't that great but shows up twice a day, five days a week, mm. my God. And I've had, God, I, I, I can think at least 10, and that doesn't sound like a lot over the years, of th- this – cat-like reflexes, still like strength, and just lazy. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's something to be said for a new pursuit. Like, something we say a fair amount is in in the risk management realm, even if you've got the best program, eventually it gets stale. So how do you keep it from getting stale? And if you've been wrestling since you were six years old, Mm. grinding in tournaments, traveling, weight cutting, I'd imagine by the time you're 18, 19, 20, 23 years old, man, that takes a special individual to continue. It does. I want to take it back to, because I really love this idea of like, man, the payday is great, but it doesn't last that long. It's about the journey. It's about the process. It's Mm. about the daily discipline. What did you do, based off what we just talked about, kind of to keep things from being stale? I mean, and break it down what a day of training would look like or a week of training back when you were really uh, grinding away. I, I, again, I was, you know, I was the best guy at that mm-hmm. point, right? Yep. Like, and I think I got a lot of feedback from that. So, uh, I think that's such an individual thing, like how, who's, what's going to motivate you? Nowadays is what separates now. Then, like there was, there is this goal now, right? Like the UFC, you, you know, everybody, you could be a millionaire off it. Very right. unlikely, <laughs> but, but you but could. There's, a, there's that opportunity. Eternal. Like that was never a thing <laughs> yeah. when I was back in the day. There was, like, if you were a UFC champ. In fact, most people. Back then, you you could walk down Richmond, nobody know who right. you were. I went to uh, I went with uh, Randy Couture to uh, Bell Island at a concert, <laughs> and this was while he was champion. Yeah, one person recognized. <laughs> he was a UFC champion. Yeah, in the middle of a concert. UFC heavy uh, was he two hundred five or heavyweight he was heavy, cha- heavyweight yeah. champion? He, 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 he got both at some point, but yeah, yeah we, one person like. He turned around and was like, hey, is that Randy Couture? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Like, nowadays, he's, he's not even fighting now, yeah. and he walked down Richmond, he'd probably get mobbed. Like, it yeah. was just... Wasn't that weird how we're designed that, 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 man, if you focus too much on the end, you often don't end up doing the things in the interim that get you to the end. But yes. if you just focus on the, on the, on the day-to-day... It's the magic. You get to the end. It's a yeah. weird... I don't know why we're designed like that, but... We are. What would what would like to or go ahead? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing. It's it's that is the magic. Like that's what I'm trying to instill in these guys now. Like just do this 
like just do the daily grind and and the daily grind doesn't have to be a grind like it there is the physical part mm. but it could be drilling it could be skill sets you know it can be you know active rest days it doesn't it's not like you're you're getting punched in the face every day we went over that i think before we we're talking yeah. uh, that we started recording is you know methodology has definitely changed a lot over the years like we didn't have a methodology when i started <laughs> because it was a brand new sport right we walked in the gym and we punched each other there was no real coaches there was no real structure we just went we, we were learning off vhs tapes you know there was this big you know secret of what jujitsu was we're just tr all trying to learn it you know there wasn't any youtube you know there wasn't the information wasn't out there and we just didn't now it's it's easy for people like and almost too easy i think like yeah. people they don't even appreciate how easy they have it to be honest yeah, that's a to that's a totally different world. Yeah, I mean that's a it's now that you say that um, one thing you just said, it doesn't have to be a grind. So, I've thought about this recently in speaking with folks who do like a lot of longer races, ultra marathons, and even just in life in general. I think you can look at. I mean, people say you know embrace the grind, and I think that's telling the truth. That to a certain degree, you can only talk yourself out of the reality of the moment you're living in right. so much. At a certain point, it is going to suck. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you can't convince yourself that this, well, it's, this it's is It's time, like too. It's not, no matter what the activity is, you could think to yourself, I'd rather be sitting on a couch watching TV. <laughs> right, right, right. right. I, that's, that's why I'm saying it doesn't have to be the grind. Like, the grind is me you're making you do sprints with burpees in between, right? or, or going hard sparring session. But there's just so many skill sets and so much, like, drilling and... and essentially easy on your body type stuff, but takes a lot of time. Yeah, and I, and I guess my point to add on to that is that even in doing like these 30-minute cardio classes that I haven't done in a while, but I remember doing when I was training back in like 2006, 2007, 2008, 2000, maybe 2009 on, was there were some guys in the room where even if like you're feeling nauseous, you have put out as hard as you can, and they've, their resting face is like one that has some semblance of joy on it. <laughs> and they're not putting out for anybody or putting on oh, yeah. for anybody. It's just they just there's something about the way their mind interacts with that activity. They've just they I think some of it's genetic, but I also think there's a big decision that people miss out on. That moment where you can say, "Am I just going to brood over this moment and let this wear me down, or am I going to look at this as, man, I'm I'm in what I like to do. Yeah. This is what I'm in. This is why I'm here. This is wh I'm growing right now." Yeah, you know, that what that is, I wish I could put it in a bottle, <laughs> <laughs> sell it. Uh, yeah, and it really is so different. Like, ever, like you just, you know, it's like I tell you, I'll, I'll watch the guys individually see who's going to push through. Yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, and they don't know I'm watching them. So that's what, why it's a real test, right? It's hell, most people now they know my secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's. it's some people, when they don't think anybody's watching, will quit. Yeah. Some people only push through when they think they're being watched. And some people don't need to be watched to push through. And those are the special ones. Yeah. What, uh, what about, you know, be, being in the coach's position now that you've been in for a long time? You've got folks who you're, I mean, no doubt, if you're going to be a fighter, a lot of these folks are interesting. I mean, they, they come from, maybe it's a normal background. Maybe it's also a... a a heartbreaking and broken background. What, what about that? In, in the position of, you know, we've talked about as a fighter, how do you get yourself up? How do you get motivated? And that kind of thing. As a coach, I've got to imagine that 
part of the evolution of keeping yourself from feeling stale in your role is just being fueled by seeing the story of the people who show up to your gym. And, well, and there's a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's not a type. I mean, I think uh, fighters get put into a type, but there's not a type. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, uh, I mean, the, some of the nicest people I know, like, I would say the nicest people I know are fighters, you know, yeah. just, uh, and then you get, get some asshole. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're there, uh, but they usually don't last. It's mm. because it, strange, another th- strange thing about this sport is as individual as it is, because you are the only one stepping in that cage, it's a very big team sport because mm. you're, you really get bit. You, I always tell my guys the most important person in that gym is your whoever's standing across from you, your training partners. Because hmm. not only are they making you better, you're entrusting your safety with them. So hmm. that's and vice versa. It's like a, and you know you got to, you know, back to the culture. You you got to have this culture of, of team, even though it's hundred percent on you. To obviously when you fight, but 100% on you just to show up to the gym that day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're, so that's, that man, there are so many tie-ins to like what we see in, in business, like whether it's mining, manufacturing, hospitality, agriculture, construction, whatever business you're in, we see this so often that, man, you are only as good as the team. I was just at a meeting in Winston-Salem yesterday where, each member, there are 26 members in this group, different companies and different in- industries, and they had to stand up and share something about their company that they felt proud of. And it, it, was, it was some degree or element of a compliment about their people and the culture mm-hmm. they developed and the nice. accountability and the teamwork they had and how they supported one another and how they you know, picked each other up when, when you know, somebody was lagging behind or they had a, a, son, a crisis in someone's family and how they, they all rallied around them. And your comment about just the most important person being the the training partner across from you has so much application. Because oh. if you injure your training partner or if they get injured, your ability to be prepared for fight night is is greatly diminished. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's that's part of the methodology I talked about earlier that's changed. Hmm. And not that we were trying to hurt each other back in the day, but we didn't even think about that. Right. Like that was it's fighting. So yeah, you it's fight. fighting. So we fight. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I didn't get knocked out today. Cool. It's a good day. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good day at the office for anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it's totally ch- and, and it's really emphasis on that. Like yeah. I I have learned like I would say if I've anything is obviously the techniques have changed over the time. It's MMA is now its own art, right? Right. Back in the day it was art, like I said, I was a wrestler, judo guy, right? And I would fight karate guys, or I'd fight other, you know, it would be style. But now MMA's its own style, and that's definitely changed. And, hell, techniques and different things are still changing because it's still a new enough sport. But the big thing that's changed is the methodology, again, back to the daily grind Mm. of how we train, how we train, um, not giving each other injuries, especially any type of head energy head energy energies injuries right right and um yeah just it's it's really important you know it's uh i if you stay with me a long time obviously a lot of the success of me as your coach is going to be how you did as a fighter but i'm also going to be pretty pretty uh happy if you 
are a functioning member of society. <laughs> you don't have brain damage and you're, right. you're not crippled. Right. You know, I think I did my job. Yeah. Like, well, they've shifted a lot. You know, a lot of gyms have shifted away from even sparring at all. Um, what is the guy, the guy from Hawaii? Max Holloway. You know, yeah, he, but I hear that. And there's a point you can do that. I agree. <laughs> but that's not how you learn to fight. Right. You have to fight to learn to fight. I think the better you get, the less you have to spar. Yeah. That's, that's most of the argument I've heard from those who I respect a lot is, look, at a, at a certain point, you have to get in and you have to experience the fight. Yeah. And then have, after a few years yeah. of doing that and knowing that you can do it, it's about timing. It's about range. Mm-hmm. You know you're tough. You yeah. know you can take a hit. Now let's try to avoid getting hit as much as possible in the training so you can save yourself for Yeah, yeah, because you're going to get real damage in a fight. Like If you get out of a real fight without any damage, you were very dominant and good for you. Let me ask you about, as we kind of start to wrap this up, you mentioned the folks who are... Um, you know, aren't as good of a team player, let's put it that way, they don't usually last long. They don't. Is that self-selection? Is that you kind of having that conversation with them? Or is that it just seems to work itself out? How does that usually All go? of the above. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the pro- – like I've – you know, it, and there's personalities, right? Like we go to a team, to a, a business, you know, a group of people. There's going to be different personalities. Um I have a culture I want to, you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me, right? So I have a culture that I want to foster. Right. And not everybody buys in. I mean, that's, that's okay. And I, I mean, and I don't, I'm not trying to make robots here. And I'm okay with everybody being themselves. But there's, there's some definitely hard no's. And every once in a while, I get this hard no's. And I, I'm very patient. I'm a very patient guy. I, yeah. I, I don't kick people out quickly. I don't. Yeah, I, I try to give her, I'll talk to people, I give them the benefit of doubt. But yeah, it usually ends up being self selection yeah. at the end. It's just not a good fit. Well, that's yeah. something that's, uh, we talk to companies a lot. There's nothing wrong with having a standard. And your standard isn't going to be the same as another gym standard. Right. And all that means is that one person that doesn't fit here or within your company, maybe they'll be a great fit or a great team Absolutely. player yeah. at, a, at another place. Well, we're uh, we're forty five minutes oh, wow. in. Well, this is this has been a ton of fun. It's oh, a little wow. bit of a blast from the past because I met you. You know, I mentioned the Boris Rakita fight yeah. way back. Um, well, I say way back, two thousand seven or so. Um, but this has been a lot of fun for me yeah, and been, going been down memory lane a bit with a fellow enthusiast. Um, so, where can people find you, and what's next for Rick McCoy um, MMA Institute? MMA Institute. I mean, I'm at the gym. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, MMA Institute.com. Super simple. Yeah, yeah. MMA Institute here in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Rick, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit yeah, down. My pleasure. And it's been fun. Say, I agree with you, and and everybody else. Hope you have a great rest of the week, and we will catch you next time. Till then, right. take care. Bye.